I tell our team all the time, we don't manage people, right? We, we have self-managed people. We manage the system. We manage the processes, but we lead people. It, you know, it's important that we vision big in, in, in business and in leadership. And so from there, uh, that's what I bring to my team on a daily basis is, you know, we, we operate from an abundance mindset and not a scarcity mindset. So, you know, we, we never get caught up in the, in the space of, hey, I'm here, I'm stuck here, because we know that in, in two months time, we could have a different reality with a different outcome. And I don't want you to have to get ready. I want you to be ready for it. Hey there. Thanks again for joining me on the podcast. I am so inspired by today's guest. Mr. Antonio McBroom is the CEO of Primo Partners, and they have three or soon to be three best in class top name franchises that they operate. And it's a growing company. But this episode is really about inspired leadership and mentorship and giving people opportunities and raising the bar on guest service, and how you develop and transform an operation so that the guest service is stellar and give people opportunity within your organization. We talk about retention and the labor crisis and everything this company does that's innovating and really taking their franchise concepts to the next level. You're not going to want to miss this, so stay tuned. It's a big one. Thanks to the sponsors of this week's episode, Smithfield Culinary, Verge Funding, the Birthday Club, and the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. Now, on with the episode. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. I've always believed in systems to run a really effective restaurant. They say you have a system if you can walk away and leave your place for a day, a week, or a month, and it's just as successful, just as profitable when you return, if not more so. Now, the staff are really the foundation of this, and it all comes down to the word empowerment. You know, if you've got really great people and if you can develop those people to have your back, and to run it as if they owned it, treat everything as if they had to pay for it, that's a super powerful system. Once you have the staff in place, it really comes down to three things. It comes down to, one, staff training, development, recognition, and rewards to create what I call your dream team, how to empower your team to think and act like owners and to treat everything as if they owned it and had to pay for it, and to deliver amazing guest service experiences to your customers, to serve and sell because sales are the lifeblood of your business, not allowing order takers on the floor, but teaching everyone to recognize opportunities and make suggestions that we know the customers will enjoy and appreciate. It all comes down down to training, training, training. Number two, cost controls and maximizing profit. You need to know your critical financial numbers on a weekly basis, and it only takes 10 minutes, but you need to understand these things. How about your daily break-even? How much it costs you to open the doors to your restaurant each day? Inventory is not just walking around and figuring out what your order is that week. It's knowing the true value of your goods on hand at any given point in time. And you need this information to be able to calculate your true food and beverage costs. Your labor costs are also important. And running a weekly labor analysis against sales. If you know these things, I can teach you how to maximize your profit and control your costs. And then number three is what I call marketing firepower and affinity. You know, affinity is defined as a really powerful sense of loyalty and belonging where your customers become raving fans and they're like an army of brand ambassadors spreading the word for your restaurant. Well, all of this is included in the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. If you really want to take your restaurant to the next level, post-pandemic, things are heating up, customers are coming back, Now's the time to really maximize your opportunities, maximize your sales and profits, and create that dream team staff. Check it out at restaurantrockstars.com. It's the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. Listen, you've heard a lot of noise about the ERC tax credit. Why is it such a big deal? Because your business already paid a ton of money in payroll taxes, and more than likely, you qualify to get a ton of money back. Now, if you haven't applied yet, I'm telling you, drop everything. Drop what 
what you're doing and figure out how to get it done. The truth is, and I'm speaking from experience here, it's super easy to get the money back if you let an expert do the work for you. Now get on this before the government either changes the program or runs out of money. I got hundreds of thousands of dollars back from my restaurant, and it literally saved our business. Now you may have heard it may take many months after applying to get your money back, but that doesn't have to be the case. If you need your ERC refund sooner to run your business or to take care of some much-needed projects, you can speak with Karen Garbett, the owner of Verge Funding Group, about a bridge loan or other working capital. Now whether you wait for your check, opt for a bridge loan or other working capital, it's likely you have a significant amount of money due back to you, so don't lose it. Now go to the show notes for this episode on our website and use Karen's calendar link to set up a time to chat with her personally about how much money your business can get back. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Glad you're with us. And Antonio, thank you so much for being on the show. How's it going, man? It's going great today. Thanks for having me today, Roger. Man, you're a super upbeat guy and also a really dynamic entrepreneur, and you got a great story, so I can't wait to share it with the audience. But let's start with um, hospitality and why this business and how far back it goes for you and what your career story really is. And you can go back as far as you'd like. Like, what is hospitality? Yeah. You know, where did it all begin for you? I mean, hospitality is a, is a pillar that my business stands on. We've got three pillars, servant leadership, growth and hospitality. And hospitality for us is kind of that it factor that makes us special. We really pride ourselves in in bringing world-class hospitality. And particularly what I, I, I coined my Ben and Jerry's team with is we want to deliver the Disney and Ritz Carlton experience in two scoops. Right. I love so, it. Um, so it's at the core of who we are. I'm a Southern guy, Southern gentleman. And so uh, born and raised down in North Carolina, I went to UNC Chapel Hill and, uh, you know, just from uh, upbringing with my grandmother, she had a, a kind of dynamic house where folks came over each day and she cooked meals for them. Um, it was kind of like that was her that was her job, really, is to, to feed folks and they'd come and get plates. And um, and so just treating folks well was something that was ingrained in me. And uh, as I as I got to college and started working at Ben and Jerry's, I saw, you know, the ability to do that, even though I couldn't cook that well, I, I never developed the chefing skills but I could really scoop ice cream and put smiles on people's faces. And that brought me a lot of joy. You know, I tell folks uh, on my team, we could be doing anything. You know, we could be running a funeral home. We could we could we could we could be bill collectors, auditors, you know, nothing wrong with those professions. Right. But um, but in, in our space, we really get to bring joy and happiness and uh, we sell fun. So um, that's kind of my roots and and what I do now. You know, that's awesome because we're going to talk a little bit about Ben and Jerry's and then a lot of the other, um, obviously, things that you're involved in. But it reminds me because I've been an entrepreneur for about 30 years myself, and I read a book, a Ben and Jerry's book. It was sort of a animated book, and it was called The Inside Scoop. I'm sure you probably know what I'm talking yeah. about, but that was so inspiring. And there's a mantra that I still use today that came up in that book. I mean, those guys talk about going to like carnival or circus school and like it was all about fun and you mentioned the word fun and i think the mantra i'm thinking about is if it's not fun why do it and why bother yeah why do shared it? that right for years and years in our restaurants and in our team that was sort of the foundation one of the foundations of hospitality is if you're not having fun the guest is not going to having fun and that's what i'm hearing from you i totally agree you know um <laughs> it's like you know we 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 all are going to spend time in our craft and working. And I mean, it's a, it occupies a big percentage of our time in life. Yes, right. And so it's it's ideal for us to find our, our, our purpose in the work that we do, but most importantly, have fun while we're doing it. You know, so um, we, we really at Primo uh, focus on, you know, doing what we enjoy with people we enjoy, making a huge impact, obviously being compensated appropriately, but also having time for other passions. So the other things that we like to do for fun outside of work. So that's kind of internally, that's like, I check that number. I check that score, that pulse on my team, the same way that we check our bank accounts. You know, it's just, how are you doing in these five areas? You mentioned passion outside of business. What are some of those things you like to do when, and if you have any free time? No, I'm a, uh, I, I'm a big man of faith. Uh, so I absolutely love my church, New Hope Church in Durham. Mm -hmm. Me and my family are very involved there. And uh, we do missionary trips every year. Uh, and that's kind of some of the most rewarding work that we do. Absolutely. Uh, 
we go to Dominican Republic. And last year we actually built um, built three three bathrooms in a community that had never had, you know, the, the dignity of having a private bathroom, a private sh- a shower. Oh, and, wow, uh, that's beautiful. From, from those three bathrooms, yeah. it impacted 30 different people. And, uh, and, and that kind of stuff, I, it brings me a ton of joy, right? Because when I grew up, and it's hard to believe, but, you know, just, just 20 years ago, in rural North Carolina, we we had a Johnny house in the back and, you know, uh, and, and we had a red bucket for a toilet. Right. And it's, it, it kind of took me back to my roots. It's been several, several years removed. And I've been blessed and fortunate uh, with through my success as a business businessman and entrepreneur to, you know, just just have amazing stuff. But it took me back to those those early days. And so that's something I love to do. Travel in general. Right. Whether it's the missionary trips, but just travel in general is something I, I like to live by the mantra you know, um, we work around life. Right. And so planning amazing times in life, like just tomorrow is uh, we're going up to Vermont to Ben and Jerry's headquarters where it all began. And I'm yes. thinking, well, Waterbury, you know, <laughs> up in Waterbury. And, and yeah. you know, because uh, it's our 15 year anniversary as a company this weekend, mm-hmm. you know, and we believe in celebrating those big moments. And so kind of, uh, you know, when you talk about fun, we're that's one of our core values. We believe in having fun and celebrating. So travel is huge for me. Uh, and in sports, you know, I'm, I'm a big Tar Heel basketball fan. Uh, not surprised. All, all things Tar Heel. I bleed like yes. blue day down here. So right. it's a big passion of mine as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say that I get that Carolina connection with the Tar Heels. So fantastic. Man, you're definitely all about fun and passion, but it's also about giving back. And we're going to get into some of those charitable things that your company does and why. But let's talk about, well, before I go there, um, you mentioned you worked at Ben and Jerry's in college. So I see the connection. But at any point, did you ever think about starting your own concept besides the franchises that we're going to talk about? You know, I'm, I'm a developer and an improver. I'm not so much of a, a kind of creator an inventor. That's that's not my mind doesn't go that way a lot. I did in college have a crazy, uh, crazy invention that me and uh, me and a partner uh, tried to take the distance. It was called Juice It Up, and it was actually in the electronics business. This was before um, you know you had like mobile uh, cell phone chargers everywhere, and uh, I was on a road trip and my phone, my cell phone died, and there were all these paid phones everywhere, but we didn't have any change. And it was late at night. And so we came up with this genius idea that we were going to put everywhere there was a pay phone in America. We were going to put mobile uh, cell phone chargers and we call it juice it up. You can stop and juice it. Next thing gotcha. I know, yeah. you know, they start making USB cords and cars and, uh, you know, and addressing it. But um, aside from that, you know, I've, I've been more focused on, you know, taking something from its current state and growing it and improving it. And that's why uh, with the work I do, I mean, we really develop diverse businesses. We develop diverse communities through real estate. And most importantly, we develop leaders. And that's what my real passion is, is, is working with young leaders and, and helping them get from where they are to where they want to be. So that's Primo Partners we're talking about now. Is that correct? Yes. So can you define a little bit more what Primo is and what it does specifically? And then we're going to get into the leadership piece, but let's start with that company. That uh, You're the founder, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm one of the founders of Primo. Yeah. It's actually a double entendre. So mm-hmm. um, Primo in, in Spanish means cousin. So uh, so me and my original business partner, Eric Taylor, are cousins. And so uh, that was part of the reason we chose the name. But the other, the other reason is in Black urban culture, Primo means uh, top shelf. Creme de la creme. Yeah, you know, number one. Yep. Number one. And so we've always, uh, whenever we looked at, you know, doing Ben and Jerry's and different brands, different projects, we've always brought that kind of primo touch to things. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what primo is all about. And as I said earlier, I mean, our why we why we exist is we exist to to develop, you know, to develop and grow and curate uh businesses, communities, and leaders. Nice. That's wonderful. So how do you work with aspiring entrepreneurs that want to get into business with themselves? Can you walk us through a typical case? Yeah. I mean, um, we we believe that it's no one size fits all to leadership. You know, we really embrace that pillar I told you of servant leadership, which is really looking at and and, and meeting someone's highest, most priority needs, whether that's a you know, a high school student that's coming in uh to join us and it's their first job ever to uh 
you know, someone later in their career that's doing a career change from a large corporation to a smaller entrepreneurial organization like us. And so we meet them right where they are. And from there, uh, we've got a, a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty robust process. We call it the Primo People Process or PPP um, that we just have, you know, these different own wraps for what I consider world class uh, training and development programs. These are things that we've you know, invested a whole lot into over over our 15 years of just kind of learning, you know, what's if someone's at this certain place in their life, what's a what's a good next step for them? And, you know, we, we partner with uh, organizations like Kobe to help with self-awareness. Um, we do um, positive intelligence PQ with Sherzad. Uh, we've done crazy things like outward bound wilderness trainings where I love that, you know, yeah. a group of leaders will go out to the Everglades yeah. and, and <laughs> spend a week just, you know, really, really working on communication uh, when you're out there with the alligators. So it's, you know, it's just all kinds of different stuff like that, that we think gives our leaders just that next level of impact whenever it's time to work. Is there a funding arm to the company? We talked a lot about mentorship and development, which gives them the skills to assimilate um, what you're doing now and to get into business. Is there a funding piece of that that helps them actually start the business? You know, some of the barriers I've saw to, to business success, the two biggest ones have been access to capital yeah. and access to knowledge and information. You know, as a first generation entrepreneur, um, you know, the, 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 the ability to provide major access to capital kind of internally isn't there yet for our company, although that's on the vision board. Um, but what we really focus on at this juncture is that access to knowledge and information and breaking down those barriers. So, you know, as we've invested and we really leverage, we, re we really leverage knowledge and information as we, you know, once some somebody from our team gets a world-class training program, it's up to them to come and share that with the team. Right. And, and and take some of the best kernels of it so other folks can have access to it, too. And so that's kind of the approach we've taken to, you know, to, to helping entrepreneurs uh, achieve their dreams. You know, it's, can you know, can we help you understand the process of becoming a business owner? Can we introduce you to the right folks that can help with obtaining capital and funding when it's time for you to uh, buy a business or buy a home or save for retirement? Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I love that you use the word leadership and leader a lot versus the word manager. And there's a huge difference between those two things. So how do you define leadership? And then what is your leadership style in, in yeah, I mean, motivate people? That, that, that leadership manager uh, distinction is a big one. I, I, I tell our team all the time, we don't manage people, right? We, we have self-managed people. We manage the system. We manage the processes, but we lead people. And uh, so anybody who's in a in a in a position that they have, you know, uh, people in our organization that uh, report directly to them, they are a leader. That's their number one job duty is to is to lead that individual. And, and um, my leadership style, again, has, has definitely been the, the role of kind of servant leader um, as I've as I've grown my company. I wear the hat a whole lot uh, regarding being visionary, you know, just just trying to share um, share ideas, perspective, vision for what's possible. Because um, I think a lot of that uh, is what drives our company forward. I, I've saw that, you know, folks oftentimes overplan what they can do in one year and underplan what they can do in ten years. Right? I mean, if you anybody listening now, if you think back ten years ago. To what your reality was, I mean, and how much has changed then? And if you if you could project that same that same rate of change or even faster rate of change ten years out from now, it, you know, it's important that we vision big um, in 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 business and in leadership. And so from there, uh, that's what I bring to my team on a daily basis. Is you know, we we operate from a abundance mindset and not a scarcity mindset. So. You know, we we never get caught up in the, in the space of, hey, I'm here, I'm stuck here, because we know that in, in two months time, we could have a different reality with a different outcome. And I don't want you to have to get ready. I want you to be ready for it. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Exactly. How do you? Well, first of all, you are a visionary. And obviously, you've been in business for quite some time. You've got experience as a leader and you're running multiple 
operations and you've got plans to grow this company, but how do you make big business decisions? Is there a certain mindset or strategy that you apply? Do you use your gut or is it, you know, uh, research first? I mean, do you, do you analyze things tremendously or you just have a feel for something, you know, it's right and you act on it? What would you say that strategy might be? Hmm. So from a, from a tactical approach with decisions, and when you're in a when you when you're in a position where you need to make decisions and big decisions pretty frequently, the the tactical way that I put myself in the best position to do that is just by making sure that I'm in peak state, you know. And and I do that by uh, as Brandon Bouchard says, taking my meds. And, and med stands for meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep. Right, mm-hmm. like. And and those and those meds kind of follow you to the, the the taking that right balance of your meds over the course of 72 hours impacts your decisions. You know, so some days you may be feeling tired or you may not be at your at your peak game, but it's because you didn't get enough sleep two nights ago. And so I've I've uh, in, in a true leadership position, I really believe in this kind of balanced meds approach so that you, when you show up to make big decisions that you're peaked up, you know, from a strategic standpoint. You know, I think that um, it's really important to to think in terms of decades. You know, thinking in terms of decades slows time down, and um, and so when you have kind of this this decades approach, you got a vision board, you've got your north star of where you're trying to go to. It actually helps you make decisions more thoughtfully. Um, you know, not for the here and now, but for the for for the long term where you're trying to go. I love that meds analogy, and I'm going to use that or remember it. So meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep, I think you said. Is that correct? Yeah, that's awesome. it. That's great. Um, I believe in all those things. I mean, I try to exercise daily. I try to eat well. I try to get well, you know, good sleep. And believe it or not, I was never a, a meditator, and my wife brought me into that maybe three months ago. And now we start our day with a meditation every day and it puts you in the right mindset, but it makes uh, you more lucid and you've got clarity and, and the exercise and the diet and the sleep, all those things combined. Because a lot of business people are just charge, 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 and they're caught in the daily, you know, putting out the fires and there's a lot of stress in business, but you can sort of chill out a little bit by doing some of these things that help your body and your mind and your business. So I'm really glad you shared that. That's That's awesome. So Ben and Jerry's, okay, it looks like you're moving on to your 15th store, and that's obviously a ton of fun. Everyone knows what that brand is all about, but I understand you're also now getting into Starbucks, and I want to talk about that, but your goal is to have three best-in-category franchises, right, in the world right now, and obviously Ben and Jerry's and Starbucks are two of the most well-known. First of all, what's the third one? So that was still it's still uh, TBD. You know? Okay, so, I, so all right, it's still TBD, and I mean it's a. I, I look at our 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 job as developers as we're really taking special brands that are at a special place, best in category, and and curating them together. And you know, I mean, I did Ben and Jerry's exclusively for for fourteen years, right? I mean, I we just started our partnership with Starbucks, and and that was um. You know, that was a that was one of those decisions we talk about where we I mean, we thought about that for over a year of do we diversify um, is an opportunity with Starbucks, the right type of partnership that to diversify into. And we'll go through that same process anytime we look to bring on another brand partner. But I mean, it, kind of seeing the parallels between the two brands that we partner with now, um, you'll see what kind of partner we're looking for. Right. So a, a company that has actually soul. It has a soul. It has this this social justice element to it. That's a that's a kind of requirement for us. Being being aligned with our partner companies, uh, you know, from a from a value standpoint is really big. And so we we were fortunate to find that both with Ben and Jerry's and Starbucks. That's awesome. And that is a key foundational element that any business you get involved in has to be part. And the social responsibility piece is huge. Let's talk about consistency because earlier in this interview or in this conversation, I should say, you said that you're an improver. So one of the things we know about franchises is it's a system. It's a not to be deviated system. And a lot of people get into franchises with, oh, I get a better idea. I think I can do it this way. 
And <laughs> some franchises or, yeah, some franchise companies and operators have a little bit of leniency and autonomy. And if you bring me a great idea, who knows, maybe it could go across the franchise or nope, we have absolutely strict rules and that's what makes us a success. It's like, do not deviate. Um, are you allowed to make any changes or shifts? And if so, what are those? Get big flavor with little labor with Smokin' Fast from Smithfield. It's fully cooked or smoked proteins, including American barbecue staples and global flavors. Everything from ribs to pulled chicken to brisket and barbacoa are all authentically slow cooked to perfection. It's so delicious, your guests will never know it wasn't smoked right in your own kitchen. Now you can add barbecue to your menu without adding a pit master to your payroll. Visit smithfieldculinary.com slash smokinfast. That's spelled S-M-O-K-E-N-F-A-S-T. Hey, rock stars, let's talk restaurant marketing. I started and ran five high-volume restaurants, and I was obsessed with marketing. Not the traditional kind where you try this and you try that and you hope for the best. That's like dumping $100 bills out the window but nobody's coming in the door. I'm talking about marketing that's trackable, where you know exactly where the business is coming from, and most important, that it delivers far more than every penny you spend. So here's where my friend Dyson comes in. He's a restaurant person, just like you, owned his own concepts. Now he runs Fan Connect. He's got something called the Birthday Club that's proven to drive new and repeat business in your door because everybody has a birthday. He does it all for you, too. All the heavy lifting. All you have to do is focus on your guests and delivering true hospitality. Why not speak with Dyson yourself? He loves talking shop with operators, and there's no obligation. But I'm pretty sure he can boost your business and put more butts in your seats. If I still own restaurants, it's exactly what I'd do. Check it out at fanconnect.com slash birthday rockstar. <laughs> so loud that's a that's a funny word in my world um what's the saying around uh uh beg for forgiveness <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it's easier to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission or it's something yeah. like that yeah if yeah, you do so, it first and if it turns out to be huge then you don't need to ask for forgiveness right yeah so i mean i think anybody who's worked yeah. with me is knows that that's kind of been one of my one of my ways of, of approaching new ideas i think that I think that the franchise structure, um, the, the the kind of corporate structure, it it allows for great creativity. Sometimes that structure actually breeds the creativity. Um, you know, I think sometimes if I were doing my own concept without the structure and without the support that I get from my my parent companies, um, you know, I mean, I'd have to worry about R and D and product development and a lot of stuff. Now, now that I have the structure that I don't have to worry about this stuff, I can get super entrepreneurial when it comes to how I use technology in my business on a, on a local level or how I do how I activate with my local community. Um, you know how I bring our, our brands to life in that local community. And so, you know, I think that for me, it's been one of those great balances of I've, I've worked with companies that really appreciate the diversity of thought that I bring to the table yes. and, um, and allow me the opportunity to at least get out here and try some stuff. It doesn't, all my ideas, I come up with ideas all day, every day. Like, I'm not part surprised. Of yeah. I see that. throw it at the wall. Right. And, yeah. you know, I've got, I've got some, some great uh, senior leadership team members that their job is to strike down the vast majority of those ideas, but and, and figure out which ones of them actually work. And, you know, my experience with my parent companies has been really similar. Where I just I, I fire off a lot of stuff, a lot of ways I think we could you know grow our grow our sales through different channels or uh, try a different product, try a different marketing approach, and a lot of times it is something that wouldn't work, but a few times it does work, and it actually ends up being something good not only for my company but for other operators in the system. So the old adage about location, location still will always hold true, right? When you've got a bricks and mortar store of any kind, location is really, really important. But you also Definitely. mentioned that perhaps Primo is involved in real estate. So do you own some of the real estate, all the real estate where your stores are located? Yeah, and is that so how I, you make your, your selections on location? What we can own you know, versus lease? Real estate is part of our strategy for sure. Yeah, I wish it was, it was the case that I could own all the real estate that we operate. Like that would be a dream come true. But in some cases, it's not possible. Okay. You know, we want to be at 
kind of ground zero of a given city or market that we're in. And oftentimes that's within a mixed use development or it's, you know, it's it's within a property that, you know, individual ownership just isn't really a uh, option. You know, all the cases where that's not the case, we do aspire to own our real estate. Um, We're not there yet. A lot of our real estate development efforts has been kind of large, uh, large acreage community development where, you know, we take uh, we take an entitled and rezone uh, tracts of land and get them in higher and best use uh, for folks to build and develop on. them. And so that's been a lot of our real estate efforts uh, up to this point in our careers. So let's talk about your strategy on selecting locations. And what makes the most sense? Is it a combination of visibility and foot traffic and drive-by traffic and and parking and drive-through opportunities? Like all those elements combine or every property is different where we try to hit as many of those bases as we can, but they're not all going to hit based on that that sweet spot combination of what's going to, well, be the most visible and provide the most convenience for people to find us and get to us. It truly varies by market. You know, there are some markets where... Foot traffic is everything. You know, it's a it's a very pedestrian, touristy area, and it's all about how many people walk by the front door, and that that'll that'll predict your success. That'll predict at least your startup success. Over over time, your guest experience and hospitality will take you know final trump card. But mm-hmm. um, you have some markets where you know the the key is kind of visibility from the road, from the driving road. It's a community store. And folks need parking and, um, you know, and then it also varies by concept. You know, at Ben and Jerry's, we we don't really do drive drive throughs. That's not that's not even something that's desirable. Whereas with Starbucks, I mean, that's highly desirable. Of course. Um, You know, and so it really varies by brand and varies by market. But overall, you know, that's something that we spend. You talk about decisions. That's one that we make. It's a big decision that you make on the front end. You spend a lot of time kind of doing research. You literally go and sit and watch a location for eight hours and count how many people walk by and just observe. Cause you need to know on Tuesday, what are the foot traffic patterns, but you also need to know on Saturday night, what's the foot traffic pattern. And so I've said in many cases with the number of stores we own, I know folks have looked at me like, man, this guy's out here just <laughs> sitting and looking for hours on end. But that's, that's the kind of due diligence you do uh, whenever you're making that kind of decision on where to go. Yeah, car counts and talking to people on the street and market research and all those things. But you're you're in multiple states, right? And obviously rents must vary from one community to the next on similar square footage, similar yeah. traffic patterns, but yet you've got a magic formula, I'm sure, where the numbers have to hit a certain, you know, the key indicators need to be where they need to be. Are you finding yeah. that to be pretty consistent or is it kind of up and down and you factor that into your decision? It's really consistent. I mean, the thing is about location determination is for the most part, you know, the 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 prime real estate in a given market, you know, stays true for decades on end. But in some of our big cities, I mean, trends change every two years. And so what could have been like your A plus location in 2018, you know, by 2022, it may be a B location now. And so you know, trying to bring that vision hat to things is is really a skill here where, you know, you're maybe looking at a location while you're looking at it that it may not it may not say that this is going to jump off the shelf with volume. But you look at all the trends around it. You look at the big development plans the city has and you, you appreciate the fact that, well, it's going to take me over a year to build this location, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm in this. I'm signing a 20 year lease, a 20 year franchise agreement. Um, you know, so this is a long, I've got to think about this as a long-term investment. What does my vision say will be the case eight years from now with everything that I know? And so those are the types of factors you play in when selecting locations. Well, let's talk about staffing and onboarding at the store level has labor has been a challenge for this business specifically, but multiple industries. Have you found that it's been challenging to staff up all those stores and how have you dealt with that? For us, you know, the uh, the great migration or great resignation uh, has been called both. Um, yeah, so right. we didn't we didn't feel that in, in, in really bad ways because I think a few factors. We've always prided ourselves in having a magnetic culture. Right. I think I think culture eats strategy for lunch. And so 
our our primo culture is the number one thing that I work on on a daily basis. That's the number one thing I focus on is culture and how um, you know how we as a company are showing up to our team team leaders. Now, with that said, as you have that magnetic culture, people tend to find you. This is the type of place where somebody wants to work. Not necessarily about the money. I mean, money matters. But it's really the feeling that you get whenever you're you're in an organization like ours. And so that really shielded us a lot uh, during that that great migration. Um, you know, that said, I think the, you know, the, the, the focus for us has been, you know, to to continue to raise our team member experience through uh, appreciation, um, through development. A lot of times the fact that we invest in our leaders through the different trainings and developments that we do. That's the difference maker between us and other companies. Now I read, I believe that you've got about 2% of your revenue that you put back into team development. Is that that's, some yeah, of the things correct. we're talking about here? Yeah. That org development is huge. Yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. And it takes a certain person that needs to understand hospitality, but the culture word is super important because lots of companies have a mission statement and culture is completely different where culture is something that develops over time, but it's based on your core values, but it's also based on the team and what they bring to the business uh, to reach that common goal. And fun certainly enters into your culture too. All those things kind of combine to, to, you know, it's, it's describable yet you either feel it and know it or you don't. And you walk into a new p- place to start a new job or something and you can just tell I fit here or I like the people here. Yeah. And we all are in this to please the guest and to deliver hospitality. And if it's fun, all the better. And yes, everyone works for a paycheck, but people work for all those other rewards as well. And I think you mentioned recognition. Are there any specific, say, rewards and recognition programs that happen to, you know, make people feel really good about what they contribute to your businesses? Yeah. I mean, again, we there it's not a one size fits all. You know, there are five different love languages or appreciation languages. Uh-huh. And I think strategically, we make sure that we've got different ways to hit all five of them, whether that's uh, tangible gifts. Right. Like that's 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 simple. I mean, tangible gifts. Someone knocks it out of the park with sales, their average check, their, their, their you know, they get a five star uh, guest rating. Um, we do tangible gifts all the time for things like that. If we have a team that, you know, has the busiest hour ever and we got, you know, you got this hourly sales standard. And if you exceed that sales standard, everybody gets a cash bonus right there on the spot. Beautiful. Right? Yep. So um, so that those are the tangible gifts. But then it's also, mm-hmm. you know, words of affirmation and yes. just letting somebody know they did a great job. And whether you tell them that privately, sometimes you tell it in front of folks so they get the recognition in front of their peers. Um, you know, you, quality time is huge. And so we make sure that we spend time as as leaders with our entire teams, whether that's doing our, you know, all company picnic in the summer or in the year celebration each year. Uh, you know, just kind of having those those times where as a team, we go out and we go bowling, we go get a meal just to celebrate you know, the, uh, some, some accomplishment we've had. So, you know, speaking all of the appreciation languages in different ways within your company has, has been my strategy on rewarding and recognizing. Are you on the road much? I mean, do you travel to the different stores in different States? And if so, do you walk in unannounced or do you let people know I'm coming or is it a secret yeah. shopping thing? Like that's part of the consistency. It's like, you want to make sure that every store is delivering on those core values and that the service is great and that the quality of the product is great and that the store is clean and all that kind of stuff. But maybe you have people that do this. Can you answer that question? Are you part of it? Yeah. So I've, I've, we're set up regionally where I've got a regional leader who's in, who's in all our shops, you know, mm-hmm. every, every single two, every, every other week, they make sure they hit every shop. And so, um, so that's kind of me being an extension because with 15 units and growing um, on top of having just an amazing family and uh, and other kind of ties to my community here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You know, it's not possible for me to be in every store every week. Right. And so um, I try to make it I try to make it a a conscious effort to hit most of my stores once a quarter and spend time, spend a few days in the store, in that market with that team uh, once each quarter. Uh, But um, typically it's announced when I come. It's kind of it's known. Uh, however, my regional leaders, they do the mystery shops and, uh, and you know, but I, I try to make sure that I'm able to 
get quality time with my leaders when I'm in market. And so if I do it unannounced and they happen to be on vacation or they're not yeah, available, right. kind of crazy. Yeah. You want the, you want the visits to be as productive as they can be obviously. And it's a brainstorming thing. I'm sure you encourage others ideas and it's literally uplift up leveling the organization to improve, as you said earlier. So, okay. That's a Thanks, good answer. Brother. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk again about, um, well, we talked about improvement and I don't want to get too involved in the pandemic because that's past history. And it was a, you know, a real challenge for everyone involved uh, literally across the world. But besides that pivots came out of the pandemic, you know, stores and operating philosophies changed and things got turned upside down. And in many cases they're better now because of those pivots. Can you think of anything that you established as a pivot that has now improved your business and you'll never go back to the way it was before? Hmm. Full pivot for us since the pandemic. I mean, really, the pandemic during during that time, I embraced the, the wisdom of Winston Churchill, which, you know, he said during during times of crisis, bad companies will fail. Good companies will just survive. But great companies will improve. And so we oh made God. a conscious choice that. You know, during the pandemic, it was kind of natural to go in survival mode of just but we looked at it as an opportunity to double down on what we'd already been doubled down on, which was our people. And so, you know, the second that it went to remote work and really we had no work to do, uh, we went heavy leadership development. I mean, we did all kinds of uh, curriculum remotely that we'd been wanting to do, you know, and we worked on our back office processes and systems. Um, and you know, just double down in that way. I think as we've kind of come out of the pandemic in our different markets, the thing that remains uh, true is just how valuable hospitality is. So even though we went into this remote workspace, you know, folks kind of sheltered in place, you know, the 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 the, the joy we get to bring people through in-person face-to-face interactions um, is very valuable. And I think the same way that nowadays you have where, you know, the skill of being handy and being a contractor and being able to fix things is kind of rare. And so the value and cost is going up. I truly believe that the skill of of kind of communication and hospitality is one that over time is going to be that same way. And so that's what, you know, we just doubled down on on up in the level of hospitality to folks who, who choose to come visit our, our businesses. Excellent. Yeah. And again, there's that foundational word hospitality that hits every part of what we do every single day. And the give back, of course, your company is obviously involved in, in many charitable causes, some famous names like United Way and some other things. Um, how much of that do you get involved in personally? Or is that at the store level where they donate a percentage of revenues to some of these charitable causes? Or is this overall as a company where Primo yeah, decides? It's, it's- Tell us about that. It's overall as a company. I mean, I, I do encourage our local store and our local store leaders to get involved in in causes that they are really passionate about. And they have a, a kind of local what we call change maker budget where um, each store has a, a change maker that's ingrained in their in their staff. And this kind of gives my team uh, a team member who may be in, in college or uh, at an earlier stage in their career to have an extension to their job beyond serving our guests and actually take ownership of doing some local um, community impact work around things that matter to their staff. So we encourage that completely. But from a from a primo level, you know, we've got a strategy. Um, We're we're extremely passionate about um, about equity, about education and about criminal justice reform. And so um, we focused our efforts on first the, the, the who, not how of that. So we understand that our gift is in in, in business and entrepreneurship, but there are organizations who that's what they live and breathe. And so our, our, our top strategy is we invest our time and our resources in helping those organizations do what they do even better. And so you mentioned United Way. United Way is an organization that's across most of my markets, and we love partnering with United Way. Um, typically, their efforts to you know eradicate poverty really makes substantial difference in the communities that we serve in. Um, and then we have other organizations that are, are, are near and dear to our hearts uh, that, that fight for voting rights, education, criminal justice reform that we partner with closely as well. 
Aside from criminal justice reform, it triggers a thought because here in Maine, uh, I serve on the board of Hospitality Maine, which is our state trade organization for restaurants and lodging properties. And workforce development has been a huge committee in the last year and a half because labor has been a huge crisis for our industry. And they're having tremendous success by employing, employing the former incarcerated and re-indoctrinating them into the community and giving them opportunities for the future. Um, does your company hit on that at all, or is that something you see in the future? No, it's something we hit on right now. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. last month uh, we we celebrated a major milestone. We uh, we we embraced the journey of a gentleman, Steve Snipes, who uh, was the first former felon turned Ben and Jerry's franchisee. Awesome. And so you know that he'd been in our organization for uh-huh. a few years. Yeah, he went through the Primo Leadership Program. Um, and and attended Scoop University with Ben and Jay's corporate and got his official pr- franchise approval. And now he's operating a business in St. Louis, Missouri. You know, yes. and so uh, we we wanted to break down barriers of what's possible. You know, Steve joined us, and it was unfortunate because he was in an organization that, because of his background, he had hit a ceiling. He couldn't go into management because of his background. And I mean, I believe that all of us deserve second chances. You know, and so. Um, as Steve shared that story with me and he joined our organization, he had a hunger and a, and a, and a eagerness and an entrepreneurial spirit that I hadn't seen before. And so with, uh, you know, with a lot of focus and a lot of commitment to, to personal development and rehabilitation, you know, Steve broke down a barrier that now I hope others can see what's possible as you um, as we have more rehabilitated citizens joining us. I, I don't want them to see that, you know, they they are limited. They can't vote or I can't. I can't own a business. No, it's possible. And I'm, you know, in all of our states, we fight for uh, for voting rights, particularly for that segment of our population, because, again, I think everybody deserves a second chance. That's a beautiful story and a great philosophy as well. You know, that's part of leadership also that takes you so far above management because leaders recognize something special in people. They recognize either talents or ambition and they nurture and develop that talent and they give them new responsibilities and new opportunities. And, you know, and we don't criticize, we critique their performance. We give them reason or we give them chances to make mistakes and let them understand those mistakes. And then we recognize and reward their performance. And anybody can obviously get a second chance and it's unlimited what someone could achieve if someone else sees that and believes in that person, as opposed to just stereotyping and saying, oh, you know, I'm going to stay away from that because it's like there are success stories to be found. And I think you just gave us a great example of that. So I'm really glad. Thanks, you sure. Yeah. Um, where do you see your company 10 years from now? Where are you going next? Besides this third best in concept or best in category, I mean, yeah. what's going to happen? I mean, do you see tremendous growth ahead? And is it national growth or continued regional growth? What do you see happening? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this decade that's in front of us. You know, the uh I, I jokes oftentimes as a 15-year-old company, we're in our we're in our teen years, right? So we're we're yep. business teenagers. And if you yes. think back to so all the stuff you did as a teenager, that's kind of some of the stuff we're doing as 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 a business now. But, you know, 10 years from now, when we celebrate our 25 year anniversary, um, you know, I'm looking for us to be through college and, and to 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 be on to our, our, our real careers. And I think, you know, seriously, for us, it's about leveling up the impact, you know, as we as we've reflected on our journey so far and we map forward what that could look like. As a company, we want to be able to say that we've left a $10 billion legacy on business excellence through the business that we create, the operating business that we create, and the way that we employ uh, a diverse population and and pay and and, uh, create opportunities for wealth creation within our team, but also the way that we utilize our funds for supplier diversity and uh, making sure that we have an inclusive business model when when it comes to the banks that we use and the lawyers that we use and the accountants that we use. So that's one measure of it. You know, the other measure of it for us, though, is really going to be about how many other people and leaders and businesses can we help have some of the success that we've had? You know, and so that's where our um, our primo consultant arm comes in, where we're starting to really uh, package a lot of the, the best tools and, and practices that we've had and be able to share it uh, more broadly with other businesses. So, you know, the journey from from going from a 
you know, a hundred thousand dollar business to over ten million dollar business doesn't take them as long as it took us. Excellent, excellent. Let's talk about you've aligned yourselves with with certain celebrities in the music world and in the sports world and in the media world. How did you make those connections, and how has that improved your business or led to publicity or friendships, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, again, it's about values alignment. Um, yeah, I think for for us, as we've looked to really make the Ben and Jerry's brand more inclusive, right? That's that's that has been a big push of ours, and that's that doesn't just mean the franchise community. Um, it means through how we do our business and and how we how we. Uh, partner with different folks with our flavors. And so um, having Colin Kaepernick and Chance the Rapper uh, mm-hmm. and Renee uh, as as folks who now have their own Ben and Jerry's pints so is just remarkable. And I think that uh, in each of those cases, uh, you've got you've got celebrities who, you know, really take serious social equity and, and racial justice. And so, you know, it's when we talk about doing a partnership with them, it's just a natural flow. And you obviously brought that connection to headquarters in Vermont, and they created new flavors around those celebrities. And the names are very interesting. I've always believed in having creative and interesting names that capture the guests' attention and you know bring sales up because of that. But there's also uh, a social justice and uh, a cause behind these alignments, you might say. So it, it all is very strategic. Very strategic. Yeah, and I, I mean, I can't take full credit for any of those partnerships simply because it's a it's it's a team effort. As I spoke earlier about just how important it is to have a strong partner uh, with 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 my parent company, Ben and Jerry's. Right. And that structure allowing the creativity. I think my role is just to be the catalyst and accelerator um, and to 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 really uh, push the company to go into these new and bold places. You know, I think if you look at Colin Kaepernick's journey. Um, you know, I mean, he was blackballed in the NFL and right. to, to really to really push the company to say, hey, this is the type of person we need to have a partnership with. Um, they The values alignment is there. I mean, that's really kind of my role in the, in the in, but it's been great. I mean, it's, and I think that we'll see more and more of this awesomeness uh, from from Ben and Jerry's. And I hope that, you know, as I as I get more comfortable with, with Starbucks, they get more comfortable with me that I'm able to continue to push them as well. I mean, it, both of these are already bold companies, but uh, part of continuing to stay uh, kind of in a leadership space for social justice is you got to have this this uh, this catalyst within. And I, I try to be that for the companies that I'm involved with. As you get busier and busier and open up more and more of these new brands, as well as new locations, how do you maintain um, the balance of meds of one? And then two, there's got to be no typical day. Every day for you is different, but you obviously have to have a big strategic 30,000 foot view of all these things happening. And then you're working very closely with team leaders, as you said, and people that are really, you know, your right-hand people within Primo. But what's, well, I'm going around in circles, but is there such a thing as a typical day? And could you describe any given day and what you do? Well, I definitely, as an entrepreneur, embrace the the um, you know the flowing nature of how my my schedule must go. Sometimes that said, I try to have a consistent kind of seventy percent is by the system type of schedule. Um, when I map ahead for a given quarter, you know, and in a given month and a given week, it's all about rhythm. And I'm I'm kind of a, a, a kind of big spurt worker. Where if I'm if I'm traveling, I like to travel heavy and I like to, you know, I like to in 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 seven days hit 10 cities and, you know, and 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 cover it really quick. Or if I'm doing my, my I like to block and chunk my schedule, in other words. And so I found that as I get more things on my plate, I'm actually pushing myself to be more productive. And so I'm actually not as busy as I once was. Um, but it's, it, it requires me raising that productivity score. And one of the ways I've done it is kind of by blocking and chunking my schedule and, and creating this level of structure amidst the chaos of everything that goes into running, you know, a multi-state, multi-brand uh, organization. Aside from leadership and systems, which are, again, foundational elements of growing a business, we have a lot of audience members that might have one single independent location. and 
they're thinking about growing that business, whether they have a concept that can be franchised or if they just want to open another store aligned with what their current store is, or if they want to do a different concept entirely, what is your best advice to people that need to take the next step to open up another location or even five more locations? There's got to be a, you know, what's your, what would you say to people that are listening that, that really are ready to grow or they think they're ready to grow, but they need to take that next step? Yeah, I mean, I always start with just 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 taking the idea and the ambition and putting it on paper, really documenting it. It makes it more real. And when you put a date on it and you put you 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 put it in real words, um, from there, you know, I think that as as business leaders is is so important to just live and breathe this ninety day world, you know, and 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 take tangible steps toward your next location, your next acquisition, your next growth effort every 90 days and um, hold yourself accountable. Because as a, as a business owner, sometimes, you know, we we don't have that accountability in place that pushes us to actually do the ideas and ambitions that we have. But I think when you put it on paper and you really make these 90 day commitments of what's possible. So let's say I want to open my second location by this time next year. Well, in 90 days, what could be the reality with that? The reality could be that I've started the letter of intent for the second location, right? I've, 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 I've got the letter of intent or I've hired a broker to find me the, you know, and you, you, you just kind of go through what's possible in these 90 days. You, you set the objective and you put the end date on it and you just work backwards in 90 day increments to start working yourself towards it. That's what I found to be very effective for me as a leader. And that's also what, you know, the top leaders in my organization, that's how they run their arms of the business. So in terms of systems, there are obviously financial systems, there's human resource systems with your people and motivation, there's marketing systems, there's technology. You obviously have all those pieces dialed. Am I missing anything? Is there anything else that you put in place? Obviously, there's a system to giving back and the social responsibility. We've covered most of these things, but if you want to grow a business and open up additional locations, there are these systems that are absolutely non-negotiable. You have to have them. You have to pay attention to them. You have to educate your people in what they are and their importance. And then you as a leader literally monitor these systems and the performance of each individual location. Is there anything I'm missing or is that pretty I mean, much all the, of it? The, I guess the, 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 the way that you weave all of that together is by, you know, really selecting and choosing a business operating system overall that fits where your company is at the time. Right. And so there, there are a few of these that are great. The one that I started with whenever I was trying to go from, you know, so, so typically going from one location to two, you know, a uh, uh, highly energetic, talented entrepreneur can make that happen. Right. And, you, and maybe you can go from two to three. Sometimes people equate it to having children, right? Like okay, you, that's have one, interesting. you can, you can, you, you have one child, you can spoil it. You know, you're there all the time with the one, once you get two, yes, you still, you're still making it work. But once you get three, you got to have a system, right? You got to have a support system, a structure, uh, cause of all the different calendars and variables that go into, to that. And that's the same thing with, with business and typically three units, you start getting into the you know, north of a million and a half, two million dollar territory where that system becomes really important. For us, uh, uh, the entrepreneurial operating system or EOS, as it's known in the industry, attraction mm -hmm. uh, was the right fit system at that juncture for us to allow us to add some 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 structure to the to the chaos that we were creating with our business. Um, but there are other systems as well. But that, that was the one for us that helped us get really the, the strategy and process dialed down for people, for data, you know, for our actual processes. So um, I, I think that's the missing link that a lot of businesses, you know, um, when they hit a ceiling, it's because the, the lack of an overall operating system. And I think that businesses need an operating system. I think the high performing leaders need a personal operating system, the same way that the, the phone or the computers that we're on have an operating system behind them. That's just as important as meds, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good joke. I'm not going to forget meds, so I'm really happy you <laughs> told me about that. That's tremendous. Well, that's fantastic. That is great. You've given us great insights and great advice, and I really appreciate you being a guest on the podcast, Antonio. Thank you so much. 
Roger, I really enjoyed talking with you today. Thanks for having me. I'm humbled. I wish you all the best of success in your future growth endeavors, in your social responsibility, in up-leveling business in general, and giving people opportunities that deserve it, might not get an opportunity elsewhere, and you do all those things. So it's been super inspiring talking to you. Awesome. Thank you. And I hope everybody has a great rest of your day. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Thanks so much to our audience for tuning in. Can't wait to see you in the next episode. So please stay tuned and stay well. Thank you so much, Antonio. I so enjoyed our conversation. And the takeaway, obviously, it's about growing a business and about succeeding in a very difficult industry. But the bottom line was really all about, you know, nurturing and discovering talents in the people that work for you and giving them new opportunities and motivating and inspiring and nurturing and developing them to achieve optimum performance. And that opportunity is the foundation of our industry. And you, you and your partners at Primo are certainly taking that to the next level. So thanks again for being a great guest on the podcast. Thanks to our sponsors of this week's episode. And as always, thank you to our loyal audience for tuning in. And we can't wait to see you next time. So please stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.